And welcome to Wednesday on the Pure Opelka podcast. Mike here saying thanks for tuning in to uh, my fill-in work. I was in Iowa, all across the state of Iowa, last night for my buddy Simon Conway, another great conservative broadcaster out there who allows me to fill in for him. I hope he's feeling better. He should be in today. I, uh, I covered a lot last night, and one of the things I covered was what happened to the pipeline, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline that was allegedly sabotaged. We covered it and we asked expert Gordon Chang, who's really an expert on the uh, Asian Peninsula, and he also talked about what happened with the North Korean missiles that caused Tokyo to sound its uh, air raid sirens for the first time in forever. Uh, we talked with him about that, about what's going on with China, etc. But I asked Gordon about the sabotage and what he thinks happens, because there's a whole bunch of folks. There are a whole bunch of folks out there who think that Joe Biden, that our president, was the guy behind the sabotage. And that's kind of spooky if you think about it. But if you go back in time, if we go way back in time, well, not actually that far back in time. It was just earlier this year. It was early February this year when Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. was asked a question about uh, what's going on with uh, Russia and their intentions at the time to invade Ukraine. And Joe Biden had some words for the Russians. Let me answer the first question first. If Germany, if uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again. Then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream two. We we will bring an end to it. So that's kind of cryptic, right? Well, the reporter followed up. But but how will you how will you do that exactly since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control? We will. uh, I promise you we'll be able to do it. Yeah. And and nobody really pressed him on that. And here we are, you know, a few months later and that pipeline is now destroyed. Did we do it? Who did it? You'll hear Gordon Chang in just a little bit. We have other things to get to before we get there because, you know, there's there's even fresher news like the uh, reality that baseball has a new non-steroided home run king. Yeah, that's right. Aaron Judge crushed number 62 last night. Maybe he'll get another one today. And uh, some, some uh, banker guy, some financial investment guy caught the ball And he's been offered $2 million for it already. Wow. What would you do? I put a Twitter poll up. I put a Twitter poll up asking, would you sell the ball? Or would you give it to Aaron Judge? Or maybe just keep it. Me, the capitalist, would sell the ball at auction and do it quickly. Because if Judge hits another one, it may diminish this one. You know, I'm just saying, just putting it out there. But what would you do? You can go to Twitter and follow me on Twitter and then uh, take part in that poll. And we might talk about it in the future. A couple other polls we have to talk about. There's some interesting election polls, some interesting polls that are showing things breaking 
towards uh, conservatives and Republicans going forward, I think this is a very good sign. There also are some fascinating polls about what you, the voter, think is really important. And so many in the mainstream media aren't paying attention to you, the voter. My buddy Lawrence Jones, who's over at Fox and just crushing it. Lawrence Jones was at a diner in Arizona and he was talking to voters about what, what's their priority. And this voter was pretty clear and had a very interesting statement to make that maybe Mark Kelly should listen to. Well, I hope he doesn't. But this woman in the diner with Lauren Jones, Lawrence Jones. Hey, lady, what are you going to say here? I mean, for example, Mark Kelly um, thought it was important for 87,000 new IRS agents to be hired. Nothing on the border. How many more border agents are we going to have? You said, something, know. you said something very interesting to me. You said that you think the media and a lot of the Democrats want to make it about abortion, but you feel like the people of Arizona are going to, the number one issue for them is going to be the border? I think border, um, the economy especially. I think that some of the money pouring in from other states funding this campaign, they're trying to make it about abortion. And the people that, in my circles, it's not about abortion. It's wow. about economy, border issues, and security. Yeah, kind of important, isn't it? Economy, border issues, and security, especially if you live in a state on the border. That woman also brought up something very astute in her observation, that there is money pouring in from out of state trying to make this about abortion, mostly from California, really liberal states. The uh, entertainment industry is pumping tons, millions of dollars into uh, Arizona, into uh, Pennsylvania, the race with Dr. Oz and John Fetterman trying to make it about abortion. And the White House is even having a um, an event. I almost said a celebration. I don't think it's a celebration. It's an event today to mark the 100th day since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade and gave the power back to the states. And they're trying to make this, um, well, they're lying to people, saying, oh, they're going to take away everything. They're going to take away birth control and same-sex marriage. No, nobody's doing that. Stop lying to people. Stop scaring people. Start telling people the truth and the truth about what they're facing in their world. And maybe you'll start getting some respect from people. CNN started telling the truth, and I wonder if it's going to hurt them. CNN's got this young guy, Harry Enten, kind of looks like uh, one of the Jonas Brothers to me. I, I, I don't know why I say that, but I look at this guy, young kid with a great head of hair, and he kind of looks like one of the Jonas Brothers. Uh, and he's their stats guy. He comes out and he reads the polls and he tells the truth about what CNN is seeing in the polls. And right now, uh, 34 days away from the midterm elections, my goodness, it's getting really close. It looks bad for Democrats. Enton was talking about trust, trust on certain issues. You have to check this one out. So crime is an issue that Republicans love to talk about. You see it in a ton of their ads. Why? Because which party do you trust more on crime? Look at that. Republicans at plus 23 points, plus 23 points over the Democrats versus abortion, where Democrats have a 17-point edge, crime is basically the economy for Republicans. They love to be talking about the economy. They love to be talking about high inflation. They also love to be talking about crime. 
Democrats do not want to be in this ballpark. They want to be talking about abortion, which is the main focus of most of their ads. So the more that voters care about crime, the worse it is for Democrats. Yeah. And you know what else the uh, voters trust Republicans more than Democrats on in terms of issues? Crime is big, 23 points. The economy, a 19-point advantage for Republicans. Immigration, a 17-point advantage for Republicans. These are all critical issues. And the economy is really starting to catch fire in terms of awareness for voters. And maybe they're starting to pay attention to things like our national debt. Yesterday, our national debt crossed the $31 trillion mark. $31 trillion. Now, five years ago, our national debt was $20 trillion. And both parties have had a hand in expanding that. Both parties have spent, spent, spent $10 trillion in just five years. $11 trillion. We spent $11 trillion more in debt spending in five years. Wow. That's more money than all the gold ever mined out of the earth in history. All of the gold that has been mined. Now, there's more gold under the earth. You'd have to go find it. But all of the gold that's ever been mined is estimated to be $10.37 trillion. And we have added $11 trillion to our debt just here in America in the last five years. Unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. Eventually, that bill will come home and with a must-pay-now stamp on it. And where are we going to get the money? Well, if we print it, that makes everything else worth less or worthless. And speaking of worthless, I haven't talked about Kamala Harris in a couple of days. And so I must. Kamala Harris, just one of the most incompetent individuals ever to hold the office of the vice presidency. And I love the way the Australian newscaster talks about her. The cackling nincompoop who is a heartbeat away <laughs> from the presidency. Yeah, she is. The cackling nincompoop. Well, we're not the only ones who noticed, and this is kind of interesting to me. The people over at The Daily Show, that's right, I said The Daily Show on Comedy Central. It's almost as biased as Saturday Night Live is when talking about politics. Well, the people over at The Daily Show noticed that Kamala Harris is closer to the television character Veep, played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus, than she is to, I don't know, a competent politician. So they put together a little A-B comparison with actual Kamala quotes juxtaposed against actual quotes from the Veep character played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus. My fellow Americans, words have many meanings, and sometimes instead of conveying our meaning, they can suggest other meanings. When we talk about the children of the community, they are a children of the community. Well, we are the United States of America because we are united. And we are states. Um, talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time. Whatever we have in store cannot be known. The past was once the future. 
The future is, I should say, unknown. We gotta take this stuff seriously, as seriously as you are, because you have been forced to have to take it seriously. Obesity is a serious disease, and it needs to be taken seriously. You need to get to go, and need to be able to get where you need to go to do the work and get home. I hope that clarifies the issue, and this can be the last word on those words. Certain issues are just settled. Clearly we're not. No, that's right, and that's why I do believe that we are living sadly in um real unsettled times my fellow it's amazing to me it's absolutely amazing to me that the daily show has gone back to its roots years and years and years ago before john stewart when uh, craig kilborn remember him what the heck happened to craig kilborn was the host and they seem to go after every side every political side was in the crosshairs not anymore that was wonderful. Glad to see it. A little pat on the back. An attaboy for you people over at The Daily Show. Kamala Harris. What a dolt. Uh, and speaking of dolts, over to the press secretary, who we have been calling KGB because she is like a Soviet agent. But my friend Chris Plant came up with a brilliant new nickname for Corinne Jean-Pierre because so many people compress the name and say it real quickly. Cringe Jean-Pierre, it sounds like cringe Jean-Pierre. So we're going to start calling her cringe. Cringe. <laughs> it's perfect, isn't it? Cringe uh, in the press room yesterday was being quizzed about, you know, the gas prices, which were paying entirely too much for gas because Joe Biden closed the Keystone XL pipeline when he showed up in Washington putting a lot of people out of great high-paying jobs and beginning the end of our energy independence. And Corinne Jean-Pierre, I'm sorry, Cringe, went back and forth with Peter Ducey about whose fault it was, and she's not giving up on trying to convince people that it's Putin's fault. It's not. And uh, she was asked about the president's trip to Saudi Arabia, you know, the fist bump trip when he was uh, trying to get more oil out of the Soviets after he called them horrible things months earlier. Here's the exchange between Cringe and I think it's Peter Ducey. Um, when the president went to Saudi Arabia, he said, I'm doing all I can to increase the supply for the United States of America, which I expect to happen. What happened? So let's, I want to be very clear. Um, and we have said that, you know, his trip to trip to the Middle East uh, was not about oil. It was about America's position in the Middle East and co consultation with 12 leaders from across the region on a range of issues similar to his summits in Asia uh, or the Americas, and later this year with African leaders. The president's trip was crucial. It was critical uh, to U.S. national security, a more peaceful, integrated region, and for global security. And there were plenty of examples that we laid out to all of you as of why this trip was so important. Uh, but aside from that, the president took action, as I no, no, he didn't take action. He's drained our strategic oil reserves now down to the lowest level they've been in 40 years. And as the price of oil continues to rise because we're expecting OPEC to cut production by one to two million barrels a day this week, as that price of oil rises, it's going to cost us a whole lot more to replenish 
what Joe Biden has tapped into in order to try and lower gas prices. They're still way above where they were when he took office. Way above. And it's really dangerous. What he's doing is terrible. And speaking of terrible, another terrible Democrat, Stacey Abrams, was on CNN and uh, she's lying. In 2018, she lost a race for governor and really can't seem to come to grips with it. But she's claiming she never, ever denied that election. She never challenged it. That's what she told Aaron Burnett. Well, there's proof to contradict that. Here's the uh, statement that she never, ever denied. I have never denied the outcome. I do have one very affirmative statement to make. We won. But I didn't lose. I got the votes. But we won't know exactly how many because of how they cheated. I did win my election. I just didn't get to have the job. We were robbed of an election. Using the word rigged, using the word steal, do you think it's dangerous going into 2020? I, I don't because we can actually back it up. And so in response to what I believe was a stolen election, and I'm not saying they stole it from me, they stole it from the voters of Georgia. I spent the, the interim 10 days between the election and my non-concession day, as we call it. Uh, in fact, someone outside asked if I'm ever going to concede. The answer is no. It was not a free and fair election. I think the election was stolen from the people of Georgia. I believe She's going on and on for another full minute. There is more evidence that she has never conceded and has been an election denier. So maybe she needs to be thrown off social media. Maybe she needs to be investigated by the DOJ. It's amazing, is it not? Absolutely amazing. There are two Americas if you pay attention. There is the Democrat America where you can do anything you want. And there is the rest of America, where if you challenge the Democrat America, well, then you're an insurrectionist. You're somebody who is is not worth being given the right to vote or being allowed to be a citizen in this country or even allowed to speak up because you might speak against what they believe. For example, humanevents.com has a great piece today about the Berkeley Law Students exhibit called New Leftist Anti-Semitism. Yeah, they're against the Jewish people out at Berkeley Law, and they're creating Jewish free zones with their new anti-Zionist speaker rule. They don't want anyone with a different opinion to speak publicly. The University of California Berkeley School of Law is getting a lot of heat for an opinion piece in the Jewish Journal revealing that nine student groups adopted a bylaw, a bylaw, meaning it's it's in their rules, to, quote, not invite speakers that have expressed interest and continue to hold views, host, sponsor, or promote events in support of Zionism, the apartheid state of Israel, and the occupation of Palestine, close quote. Berkeley. Berkeley was the home of the free speech movement back in the 60s. And now it's home to the fascist movement of the far left who are mandating complete fealty or you will not be allowed to be a part of their organization. And this is why these people, and I'm extending this thinking to the progressives in the Congress, this is why these people in the House and the Senate 
want complete control in the Senate specifically so they can end the filibuster. They want mob rule. They don't want just a 60 vote threshold. They want if you have one vote, they want you to be able to stomp the minority party. It is astounding. It's frightening and it has to stop. And that that stoppage has to happen at the midterm elections. Now, thankfully, the real clear politics polling data, the latest, shows there's a pretty good chance the GOP could, in fact, take control of the Senate. There are seven toss-up states that appear to be in question. And if the GOP wins four of the seven, we have the Senate. If the Democrats win three of the seven, well, then we're kind of in trouble. And we're back where we are with Kamala Harris casting the deciding vote. It is kind of terrifying. And it also means it's kind of important that you get out and you vote on Election Day. Just saying. And you bring your like-minded neighbors with you. If you have to buy them lunch, the future of the country depends on it. Uh, the, the other story that I saw yesterday was... Um, the reemergence of Tony Bobolinsky. Tony Bobolinsky uh, showed up on Tucker Carlson's show after two years, two years after he stood up and said, hey, uh, Joe Biden was deeply involved in Hunter Biden's business dealings with China and God knows what other foreign entities, the shady dealings. And uh, we all expected that interview, that bombshell interview from two years ago to lead to Massive DOJ and FBI investigations, and yet nothing has happened. And Hunter had uh, Mr. Bublinski on last night and asked him, hey, why are you coming out about this? I'm coming out now because American people still are being lied to about the facts. Right? Nothing's been done. They're still thinking, oh, that deal never happened, or, you know, Hunter Biden was a troubled child. They're not aware of the tens of millions of dollars, the thousands of you know, pages of documentation and the facts. The DOJ is claiming they're going to, they had to couch this. They can't do anything near an election. I don't want to be sitting here in December and they actually indict Hunter Biden. And then the American people are like, why weren't we made aware of those facts? This is crazy. I would have changed my vote for that congressman or that senator or that governor or that attorney general. So um, uh, that's why I'm coming out now. Yeah, I hope I hope something happens from this because there were some things said last night. Things said, some claims made by Mr. Bubulinski, the family business partner of the Biden crime family, that really have gone untouched. Some of them are unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. Especially, remember the tape that appeared earlier this year, the phone message tape of Joe Biden calling to tell Hunter uh, that the article on him was good and he wasn't going to be in trouble. This is from Joe Biden to his son, Hunter. Hey, Palace Dad, it's 8.15 um, on uh, Wednesday night. If you get a chance, give me a call. Nothing urgent. Just want to talk to you. I thought the article, at least if they're not online, it's going to be printed tomorrow in the Times, was good. I think it's clear. And uh, anyway, um, if you get a chance, give me a call. I love you. I mean, that's it. That's staggering. The sitting president of the United States. But that's Joe Biden in his own voice telling the American people, I was always well aware of the business ventures my family was involved in. 
So much so I could tell my son, I read a detailed article that has 50 facts in it. Imagine just sitting in a room with national security and the intel agencies with that article talking about corruption, talking about China, talking about the Chinese Communist Party, the Liberation Army of China. Joe Biden is saying, I read that article and you're in the clear, Hunter. And he leaves that voicemail for his son. Stunning, right? Yeah, jaw-dropping. This one-hour show dedicated to Tony Bobulinski absolutely should trigger something in the DOJ, but it won't. It won't. Tony Bobulinski hasn't even been contacted since the first interview with Tucker Carlson. Imagine this. To this day, two years, Joe Biden has yet to be asked, did he ever meet with me? Not one time. Not one time. Imagine this. To this day, two years, Joe Biden has yet to be asked, did he ever meet with me? Not one time. Not one time. Yeah, not one time. I had to hear it twice because it was so stunning. So stunning. Uh, This story better not go away. The mainstream media has totally abdicated its responsibility to the truth and the search thereof. Somebody should ask Joe Biden that question just to get him on video denying it. It would be amazing. All right, uh, we have um, we have my buddy Gordon Chang joining us in a matter of seconds here. And this is all about what happened in the Asian Peninsula in the last couple of days with the air raid sirens, with the rockets launched from North Korea, and the... Um, the alleged sabotage of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Did we do it? Did Russia do it? Who did it? Who was responsible and why? I'm getting all kinds of conspiracy theories sent to me about it. And I have questions myself. And the best voice on this subject in this region as well is joining us next. It's Michael Pelka on the Puro Pelka podcast. Uh, so I asked Gordon if he could join us, and he is here. Uh, Gordon Chang, welcome, my friend. Thank you so much, Mike. I'm glad you're here. Uh, when you saw the reports of um, the air raid sirens going off in Tokyo, um, what was your reaction? Well, North Korea's launch yesterday, or actually today, um, is uh, the 23rd launch of a missile this year. And that shows an accelerated testing schedule. That means the North Koreans are making progress on perfecting their weapons. And, Mike, they do this for a couple of reasons. First of all, of course, they, they want to make sure that their missiles work. But second of all, they want to show their customers that their missiles work. Because North Korea does stuff primarily to Iran. So we can be sure that whatever North Korea perfects will end up in the Middle East in the not-too-distant future. Hmm. I hadn't even thought about selling to Iran. I know that there have been stories that Russia and the Russian military was buying um, ammunition, uh, bombs from uh, North Korea, but and I, I thought we were selling rocketry to them as well. But Iran is even more disturbing because we know what Iran's building to put inside those missiles. Uh, are we right to be a little nervous about a potential nuclear conflict somewhere in the world? Well, we absolutely have to be concerned because Vladimir Putin has been mobilizing his nuclear forces. Um, he sortied a ballistic missile submarine the last few hours. Also, he has taken one of his nuclear units, put them on a train, 
and sent them towards the Ukraine front. Now, that's not to say that he will actually light one of these things off, but it is to say that he's making preparations to do so. And, of course, that's a prerequisite for actually detonating a bomb. Um, this is really, you know, this, this would break the taboo, Mike, and, and that means the Chinese or others might decide that once the taboo is broken, they could launch nukes of their own. So we're in a world where we are just at a very fragile point. And, and there does not seem to be, at least publicly, a lot of dialogue between the leaders of all the countries involved. I know our Secretary of State has been making some trips, but uh, we're, we're coming up on, is it the 50th anniversary of the missiles of October? 70th anniversary? 50th anniversary? Uh, no, let me do the math on this. 60, yeah, I mean, it was 62, yeah. So we're coming up on the 60th anniversary of the missiles of October, and uh, it's it's a little weird that we're back at a point where there is brinksmanship going on relating to a possible global thermonuclear warfare. I'm almost feeling like we need to break out Dr. Strangelove for comic relief and and maybe ratchet things down. But how do you get China and Russia and North Korea and the U.S. to engage in talks? I don't think you can right now, actually, um, because, for instance, the Chinese and the Russians don't really think very much of the Biden administration. Um, deterrence has broken down. The Chinese have said that for some months now, going back to March of last year when China sent its top two diplomats to Anchorage. And, of course, we have seen what the Chinese have said as Afghanistan was falling. Um, so they've been very clear that they think they can do what they want. You know, obviously, Vladimir Putin wasn't terribly impressed with the United States. Um, and so we got a point where um, the bad guys think that they very much um, have free reign. And, of course, uh, this means that we are at the brink of something like 1962 or what was even worse, 1961, the Checkpoint Charlie crisis in Berlin. So, uh, Gordon, if, if that's the case, if the bad guys are emboldened and certainly not afraid, is the, um, is the, and there's no diplomacy seeming to be going on, is the answer to try and do what Reagan did, and that is engage in some kind of uh, buildup that will ultimately bankrupt the players who don't have the pockets to withstand it? Well, that's one thing that we can do. Um, there are no good options right now. Mike, um, everything going forward is exceedingly dangerous. But the one thing we shouldn't be doing is applying the uh, po foreign policy approaches that have gotten us into this mess in the first place. So I don't think we should be talking to Russia or China or any other bad actor. I think we need to start imposing costs that are so severe that they understand that the United States has the power to do them in and is willing to do them in. And maybe, maybe that will work. Well, at, at, no. the at the time you say that, imposing serious costs, um, the sanctions that we placed on Russia didn't stop them from parading into Ukraine and engaging in a war that was supposed to be weeks and is now months and approaching a year. Uh, and, and China doesn't seem to be affected by any kind of sanctions. And we're still so dependent on China for things. Is there something economically we can do to penalize them that you see? Yes, uh, 
for instance, um, you know, where is North Korea getting the money for all these launches? Well, it's laundering money through Chinese banks. That gives us the power under Section 311 of the Patriot Act to declare those banks to be of primary money laundering concern. We do that. That means that nobody can maintain a corresponding banking relationship with them in dollars, which means that those large Chinese banks basically go out of business overnight. That would show the Chinese that we mean business, that we are willing to put them under. I'm not saying this will work. This could very well trigger and accelerate a war. But all I'm saying, Mike, is that our approach to China, trying to talk to them, trying to engage them, trying to get them on our side, has completely failed. And so we need to do something new. If we don't do something new, we know we're going to head for the worst outcome. So we are at a point where you ought to hug and, and kiss and cherish the ones you love, because maybe that's the only thing that we can do right now. Hmm. That's unsettling. Uh, at the same time, while I have you here, we're talking with Gordon Chang. Follow him on Twitter, Gordon G. Chang, for just the best stuff on this uh, region, the Asian Peninsula region. Gordon, have you looked at all of the stories and all the angles around the Nord Stream 2 pipeline? Yeah, we, we don't know who did it. Um, but it's extremely unlikely that the United States had a hand in that. Um, we were warning the Germans of the vulnerability of the pipeline, that there could be an act of sabotage, and that was just a month or so ago. And we don't have an interest in doing that, though Vladimir Putin certainly does. And Vladimir Putin certainly has the maliciousness um, to do something like that. So um, for those people who say, well, you know, the U.S. did it, well, okay, prove it, um, because that. Uh, you know, that's an irresponsible statement if we didn't. Well, there is, there is a, a curious quote from Joe Biden from February 7th when he was with the German uh, chancellor and they took a question from the media and Biden said, if Germany go, if Russia goes into Ukraine, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline will be no more. And yeah, and, 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 and that was absolutely the right thing to say, um, because, you know, Trump actually warned the Germans about the Nord Stream pipelines, that this was creating an unhealthy dependence. But, you know, if to say that we would um, stop the gas going through the pipelines and to the jump to the conclusion that we actually destroyed them, I mean, that is irresponsible. Um, the, the Russians are capable of this. The Russians had an incentive to do this. And so um, until we get more information, um, they remain the prime suspect. Okay, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, as I said, his name is Gordon Chang, uh, Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. You should be reading his stuff. And uh, anytime you see him appearing on television, you should stop and pay attention. My friend, I appreciate you being there, and thank you for your wisdom and your patience with me on my questions. Mike, thank you so much. I really appreciate talking to you. It's always a blast. So it's for me to thank you rather than the <laughs> other way around. Uh, well, hopefully we'll see you and your bride soon. Take care, Gordon. You too, Mike. And stay safe. Thank you. It will do. And there he goes. Thank you, Gordon Chang. Appreciate you for all the information you give us. Always making me smarter. And uh, we will be talking to Gordon in the very near future. And you know what else we're going to be doing? We're going to be back tomorrow with Dr. Michael Roizen of the Cleveland Clinic. He's usually here on Wednesdays for Wellness Wednesdays. Uh, today, we had a schedule issue. So you have to come back for tomorrow's podcast. It is the Pure Opelka podcast reminding you, testudo, my friends.
Testudo.